Welcome to the Well-Balanced 360 Podcast, where we dive into the latest and best tips on medicine and spirituality to help you master your health and overcome your fears so that you can feel your absolute best. I'm your host, Dr. Shivani, a licensed medical doctor, a yoga nerd, and a wellness enthusiast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here. Now let's dive in. On today's episode, we dive into the world of Ayurveda and how it can help you feel healthier and live longer. I am joined today by Dr. Siri Chan Kasla, who is triple board certified in internal medicine, integrative medicine, and hospice and palliative care medicine. Dr. Kasla furthered her studies on health and well being by becoming a yoga instructor. Reiki master and participating in a two-year full-time program on Ayurveda at the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque and India. Welcome to the Well-Balanced 360 podcast, Dr. Siri. I'm so excited to have you on. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Of course, you know, you have to love the world of uh, social media because that's how we connected and I just, you know, I really love your story about how you had your own, you know, issues or rather I would say like problems with health um, and how that kind of led you to Ayurveda. So can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I always like to sort of share the story that um, in when I was pre-med, so this would have been almost gosh, 1990, so so long ago now, <laughs> but um, I was, you know, coming in, I grew up in a suburb in Washington, D.C., which was a sort of a high-pressure environment, a lot of pressure to succeed and do well, so when I went to college, I was, I always like to say I didn't have a nervous breakdown, I had like a body breakdown, like my mind was fine, but my body was just not functioning, it could feel like things not working well, and I went to the student health clinic and they said, well, we think you need this really potent sedative to sort of manage the stress of being pre-med. And I was sort of like, mm, I don't think so. Like even back then I was a bit of a maverick. I was like, uh-huh. that might sound nice to you. And, and looking back in hindsight, knowing the medical system, odds are in favor. This was like a first year surgery resident who was not so oriented to primary care issues and was like, please go away. I'm just going to write you this prescription. And, but I always like to say that I can thank him because if I'd had someone just even a little more interested in me, I wouldn't have had such a strong need to be like, isn't there something more to what's going on for me? Like, isn't there something more to this? And so I ended up in a metaphysical bookstore and I happened to, I just had it here the other day. I happened to, it's downstairs now. I happened to pick up um, a cookbook by Amadea Morningstar, which is an introduction to Ayurvedic cooking. And as I started going through the book and reading it, um, something just like descended over me that said, this feels like home. Mm -hmm. And at the same time appreciating, well, this isn't gonna largely be understood or supported in my allopathic journey, I just started two sort of parallel tracks of learning because they both felt uh, equally important and valid to me. So along the way, you just start to hold paradox, like, okay, this one feels valid and this one feels valid. And it's never been an either or for me. 
No, I, I completely resonate with you. And I love that because for me, I'm such, I, I have a similar story. I'm actually from the Washington DC area. And oh, so, fun. you know, I personally just in med school and residency, just feeling so stressed out and feeling like an outcast. I just always felt there was some, something more. I never, I was grateful enough that nothing tragic has ever happened to me. It's just, I was always just so stressed and eating just not so crappy that I knew there was something out there. I'm, I haven't really dived too much into Ayurveda. So I actually wanted to ask you for somebody that's like a beginner, where would they kind of go to learn a little bit more about that? Oh, that's a great question. So um, interestingly enough, there's a couple of ways to think about this. So um, Ayurveda is actually an incredibly rich science. I always like to point out um, this here is one of the primary textbooks. There's three major textbooks, and this is one of three um, books in the set. And it's filled with um, Sanskrit and English and sort of interpretation. And so the way that Ayurveda was originally offered was through uh, generational observation and sort of mystical experience, meaning there was this combination of um, divine insight and just pure on science of observing generation after generation. And it, it is primarily a practice of, of India. There's really no other place in the world that has um, commingled and developed a system concurrently. Mm-hmm. Some, some people feel that it may have been a precursor to acupuncture, but that it depends who you talk to about that, but it's probably one of the most organized ancient healing systems. In India, very often there's sort of a, an opportunity to go the more allopathic route or the Ayurvedic route. Mm-hmm. And um, the training times can, can actually be quite similar. And you end up in India with a BAMS degree, which sort of gets you first phase of the learning. In the U.S., that is not available. So obviously, this is a very intensive, um, in-depth body of knowledge. And people that go that deep in the study, some might argue with me, but are perhaps qualified to deal with more advanced diseases, congestive heart failure, cancer, autoimmunity. There's a whole other continuum of Ayurveda that really seeks to work on early disease reversal and primary prevention. And so these are people more in this sort of lifestyle coach, lifestyle educator. And there's a couple of different ways to learn. Um, There are online, usually you can do as part of a teacher training and just get a sort of gentle grasp of the basics, but to really apply it, to have it make sense, you probably need several years of study. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Mount Madonna, California College of Ayurveda, and then I studied with Dr. Vasant Ladd. So his clinic and, and educational center is based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I spent two years full-time there, so like a master's degree. And um, there are other smaller sort of um, teachers that have sort of a, a pathway and a progress that mentors students through. And so it's a bit at this point, um, there's not a clear board certification and there's no governing body in the US mm-hmm. that assesses what an individual's knowledge base is with regards to the system. There are certifications through NAMA for the lifestyle. And I think they're maybe speaking out of turn here. They may have some certification past that, but it's not required. I should say there's no required certification to do Ayurveda. So there's a whole 
sort of hodgepodge of knowledge base that people have. If somebody says in the U.S., I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner or I've studied Ayurveda, it could actually mean many, many things. It's not the same as saying I went through the IFM curriculum, I did the AZCIM fellowship, I board certified in internal medicine. That when we say that people have a conceptual relationship. Oh, this person did that. But when you say that you've studied Ayurveda, it could be very vast because there are lots of different niches and aspects to it, um, not dissimilar to surgery, midwifery, internal medicine, pediatrics. You know, there are these big categories. And I always have felt like it's a bit naive on our modern era part to think that our ancestors and people that lived thousands of years before us didn't have an organized medical system. It's, it always just struck me as like, why, why wouldn't necessarily have they have had a really profound and interest, you know, very in-depth medical system. There are people that had lived for thousands of years. Surely people would have wanted to find solutions when the body wasn't functionally going well. And so, and then I also have a course for physicians that's 12 weeks long that sort of seeks to bridge um, pieces of what I learned, knowing that a lot of physicians just can't take that two-year commitment off. It's just a lot to ask, family, loans. Um, yeah. I just happened to, to be someone where it worked. It was possible. And so I availed myself of the opportunity, but I know it's not for everyone. So I've created a 12-week um, class for physicians. Kind of, You can come into it with any degree of Ayurvedic understanding, absolute That's beginner or... That's kind of like what I, I was I was getting at. So for somebody that's like not even a physician or a healthcare provider and just simply wants to learn about Ayurveda and its healing benefits, where would you recommend they kind of go for? Well, it, you know, this is a great question because I feel like there's a couple ways people learn. So you can learn in person, you can learn from podcasts, and you can learn from books. And so um, those schools are places to go in person. Dr. Ladd, Vasant Ladd at Ayurveda.com has a, probably about 30 videos that are all introductory. They're free. Mm -hmm. um, John Dooliard has a wonderful podcast that looks at um, all things Ayurveda. There's another podcast called Wisdom of the Body that's sort of an East-West blend. And then there are a series of books that I love to recommend. Um, this is a, this is a pretty, um, I always say it's an oldie but a goodie. This is Ayurveda, the science of self-healing. And this is from Dr. Ladd. And, um, you know, there are some, some social media accounts you can follow. It just sort of depends, like, how you want to learn. It, at the very beginning, I always encourage people to learn it experientially, meaning um, work, with a, work with someone who's proficient at it and get a program put together for you so that you can start to see how um, the balance within us is impacted by all the choices we're making, essential oils, sleep, sounds, yoga, pranayama, um, mindfulness, meditation, nutritional choices, um, social connectivity, walking, exercise, all of those things have in the Ayurvedic model a bearing on our balance. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I tell people, if you're really interested in learning, one of the best things you can do is partner up with someone who helps you put together a daily program so that it's, it starts to feel embodied as opposed to just um, book knowledge. 
I, yeah, I love that. Cause I mean, we're all so different, right. And we're all so alike, but there's different ways that I know I learn. Like I, I'm a visual person, but I also have to hear it and then I have to write it. So for me, I have to go through the whole thing versus someone else might just love learning from podcasts. That's not something I feel like I'm, I'm good at. So, so thank you for explaining that. I, I love that the way you put that. Um, I guess with, with your, your background and what you kind of went through, how do you feel like Ayurveda has helped you heal? Well, you know, I have, I have had a lot of unusual health issues. So I was in a sort of catastrophic bike accident when I was 12 and the bike that I was on flipped over and I was underneath the bike and, you know, kind of basically broke the right side of my body and jaw, arm, leg, took skin off. And, um, you know, in some ways, you know, when you've had something like that happen, a car, severe car accident, a severe injury, or even a, a sort of more um, diagnosis that really calls into question your own sort of existence, there's sometimes there's just this quality where the body is a little like Humpty Dumpty. You're just never quite the same again. Uh-huh. And so um, I found for me, because I have a lot of these musculoskeletal issues and then um, I'm not sure how, how deep a dive you've done into some of the trauma research, but I had an impact to the nervous system from the trauma of the accident that has taken sort of unique, it has unique manifestations. It looks a little like dysautonomia for me sometimes. So mm-hmm. between the musculoskeletal pieces and digestion and this dysautonomia, and there's been a sort of whole slurry of random health issues. I've always leaned back into working with an Ayurvedic practitioner to try to go deeper into why the imbalance is there, as opposed to just looking at Um, What is the symptom that I want to see go away? And this, as a primary care provider, Mm -hmm. was always a little difficult for me. And I know you work in sort of holistic health and botanical medicine and, you know, well-being. We know that oftentimes the surface symptoms are what we're taught in medical school in our training. The pain, blood pressure, blood sugar, you know, these things are here. We need to get them here, but oftentimes there's something under here that's actually pushing it up. And so if you go deeper into the roots of the problem, and so there's actually a lot that can be blended with functional and Ayurvedic medicine. And I know a num- maybe two or three, not a lot of um, Western allopathic doctors who sort of dove into that training to try to figure out what, where does all this match up? And it's sort of like, um, to me, it's a little, it's a really profound big bite to do allopathic functional and Ayurveda, but in the merger, in the blend of all of that is some really profound um, wisdom about how we heal. No, I completely resonate with that. I'm so glad you brought that up because for me, functional medicine and food is medicine, right? And it's always as I was trained in family medicine. So for me, it was seeing patients and they would come in and it was never getting to the root cause. And I always knew there was more. So I always tend to combine energetics because I studied with the shaman and combine it with functional medicine as well as the Western medicine. Cause I do, obviously there's a place for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it's the only thing. And I always try to find a 
balance with both of them, which is why this podcast is even called Well Balanced, because it's I'm always seeking what that root cause is and how we can help with food, with energy, with your environment, your community. It's 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 a combination of all of it. And to see other providers providing that makes me so happy. So I was, you know, like I said, so grateful to have connected with you and to hear oh, yeah. your story. Um, I'm sure it's a longer conversation, but I am really curious about how you, how did you get drawn into shamanic practices and transformation uh, through that? So that's a great question. You know, I was at a really bad, low point in my life during residency where I was very, very, I would say stressed, depressed, anxious, couldn't really feel like happy and normal. And I wasn't understanding what was happening with me because I would look at my colleagues and everyone would be fine, seemed to be going from day to day, just, I guess, living. I feel so like out of place, like I don't belong. And, you know, I just, I call it synchronicity. I, I just call it, a I, I don't know how it happened, but I remember one day I was just sitting in my room thinking there has to be more, like there has to be another way for, for people to heal. Cause everybody that I was seeing in primary care really was anxious and depressed and sleepless nights and everything that comes with it. I remember putting it out there and a week later I had a uh, connected with one of my friends in LA and she was like, Oh, well, there is this, there is a shaman. I, I feel like, I don't know, I got this message that you should speak to him. Okay. And literally within two days after that, I was able to meet up with him. And, you know, the one thing led to another and I've been studying with him ever since. And so, and I've seen how he's been able to help so many people, especially with PTSD mm-hmm. and anxiety. And it's just, it's incredible. The body does have a way to heal itself. It does. Yeah. That's like um, the body keeps the score, right? To really <laughs> get to the practices that help. Ayurveda has very interesting uh, perception around um, how emotional difficulty is held in the myofascial system. Mm-hmm. And part of the Ayurvedic therapeutics um, involve medicated oils that are meant to um, help the tissues sort of release this. Now, I I suspect the science will eventually get there. And the reason I think this is because um, way back in the 90s, so I always like to date myself here, when I was starting in med school and just getting started on this journey and this path, I I understood then, because I had always done this concurrent study on the value of the microbiome and the, the health of the gut was really where it was at. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was heretical to say something like that. Yeah. I mean, basically, and of course, we're still, it's a little controversial, but, you know, to bring up uh, probiotics or prebiotics was like to be laughed out of Grand Rounds. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I did, of course, half my residency was inpatient as an internal medicine physician. So if you prescribed probiotics or you were looking at the nuances of a diet in the, in the, someone coming in for DKA, it's like, no, these carbs are fine. And you're like the maple syrup and the white flour potato. I mean, the pancakes are, yes, they're within the carb limits for the day. And you're just like, there's real studies that show that even just whole grains reduce the insulin demands and resolve DKA quicker. So 
you know, there was so much so early on for me that was so confrontational. It's like, how did, how did we get so off track? And so I really appreciated how the Ayurvedic um, systems have all this science. And so, you know, there's these things that I had windows to very early on in my career from my study in integrative and Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like the connection of this wellness, mind, body, spirit, and the myofascial system, maybe not in our lifetime, but at some point, someone's going to start to figure out how is all this connected and why would moving the body like in yoga positions or pranayama or acupuncture points, why do those seem to have particular benefits to and particular outcomes, not just placebo effect of improved, this condition improved? No, I I agree with you because I mean, I I don't know the full history behind voodoo. So I'm not even going to try to go there, but I, I have talked to a friend who said that before, you know, voodoo was actually medicine, right? It wasn't even like a religion. And, mm. and people look at it now and there's this perception that it's just so woo-woo and out there and magic. But really, if you look at the history of it, it's not. And I say the same thing about medicine too and, and the microbiome and the gut health. Now we're talking about it, but before it was woo-woo. But like, look at it now. I mean, there's so much science behind prebiotics and probiotics and we're only going to start to see more and more of that. So you bring up a really good point. And then in terms of yoga, Kundalini yoga is just my jam. Like if I'm ever feeling down, I love to just do this one heart meditation, which is like the greatest heart opener for me. And I just immediately, it shifts my mood. I could be so angry. I could be resentful. It just immediately shifts it. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I don't know if you know, if you know, if you can kind of explain a little bit more about that. I would, I would love to hear your take on it. So, um, so Kundalini Yoga. So I was first exposed to Kundalini Yoga when I was in college. So about the same time I went, so I was raised as sort of very standard suburban DC. So if you're from DC, I'm not sure where, but (laughs) I grew up in Woodbridge. So a little bit outside, outside of South of Fairfax County. And um, my, I went to Jefferson, the magnet school. So, you know, it's a I bit know, of a pressure. I know exactly where that is. I'm on the other side in Maryland. So oh, nice. <laughs> so, um, so my undergraduate was at UVA, and, which is, um, you know, it's a very academic, um, very, very pressure driven, achievement driven school amongst its other assets, which aren't as desirable. And so um when I went through this, uh, it was probably my second year, I had this real just epiphany that things just as as I had known them, as things had lined up. Mm-hmm. And I'm always grateful it happened for me younger as opposed to like living a lot of my adult life and then getting to a certain junction and saying, mm, a lot of what I believed maybe isn't actually true for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had done a lot of soul searching. I took a semester off college and to just try to heal. And so part of that meant um, getting some counseling and get working with various healers, a shaman, a Tai Chi Qigong instructor, learning about, um, in fact, it was really funny. I just met another person who posted an apron of a place she had worked. And I was like, that's where I learned about Whole Food in Charlottesville. She's like, yeah, (laughs) made your rice and peas for you. You know, it was like, um, you know, my parents are really lovely people, but the 
sort of more esoteric metaphysical exploration. It just wasn't for the, they had they just wasn't in their purview. They had a very um, traditional American life, but they're I love them. They're wonderful people. Mm-hmm. So I was initially introduced to Kundalini Yoga then, and I I thought it was um, unusual and weird, and I really just couldn't um, <laughs> I just couldn't get on board with it. And so, um, but it was there. Seeds had been planted, and then I circled back in my mid thirties. So, gosh, fifteen years later, when I went through another really difficult stretch, mm-hmm. and um, I started to just really try to understand better what the practice was what the community was about and really did a deep dive and um, ended up remarrying second marriage to a man whose family is from the Punjab. He's Sikh and really going much deeper into the sort of spiritual lineage of Kundalini yoga as well, which um, you, you may or may not be as aware, but there's quite a bit of controversy in the community um, Mm -hmm. from Yogi Bhajan's behavior. However, um, there's a lot of just differing ways of approaching this. One way is to say, well, n- no teacher's perfect. The behavior was horrible. And many of these um, senior teachers from the East have had a lot of allegations around their behavior with women, abuse in their communities, um, substance abuse issues. I mean, it's sort of a wide range of things, yet the teachings themselves are transformative. And so they are because I, I'm right there with you when, when I was first introduced to Kundalini yoga, I was like, what is, I, I went with a friend. I remember in a class in Maryland, I was like this, she's like running around like a, like a chicken with her head cut off. I'm like, I don't know what that is. But then right. when I started practicing certain other ones, I'm like, wow, this is, I I'm addicted to that one heart meditation. I'll have to like make a video about it, but it just, it instantly shifts me. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, there's, um, and again, we could have a whole extended discussion around the complexity in the Sikh community from Yogi Bhajan. And there's a lot of nuance and a lot of complexity. And I don't actually claim to have any expertise on that. I don't position myself as a yoga teacher because I felt like um, I I didn't want to do harm. And I wasn't really clear about the the lineage that he was offering and where the actual teachings were coming from, mm-hmm. though myself find them have found them to be transformative. And so I found myself in this funny juxtaposition of I I really want to um, understand better. And so I just started to lean into Ayurveda, which had a much clearer lineage to me that didn't feel as he was a Yogi Bhajan was an integrator, meaning, you know, he came to the West and he synthesized Western lifestyle and thinking with things that he had experienced, as well as just things he intuited. So he wasn't fully drawing on an established system. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Ladd, who's my other teacher, really, he draws extensively from written lineages. So it's not a a downloaded, uh, if you will, does that make sense? Like, it does no? I, I completely resonate with that, and it, it makes full sense. So, I guess my question to you for for your patients currently: Do you incorporate like a little bit of yoga, Ayurveda, all of it together, or is it just Ayurveda that you're, or is none of it <laughs> with yeah. your patients? So, so, what's interesting here's 
So here's kind of how my journey has unfolded. So I finished Ayurvedic school with Dr. Ladd in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I worked with One Medical for four years, which you might be familiar with. It's like a national primary care um, sort of membership model, mm-hmm. not uh, direct primary care. And then I sort of realized that the insurance model just was never going to work for me. Just the time that you need right. and the way that I think. And, and fortunately, I had done my internal medicine at Mayo Clinic. I have a master's degree in in science, I actually can speak very eloquently around evidence-based features or with a very science-based person, what is this um, synergy that might be a way to think about that what I'm saying isn't just like, it's woo-woo, accept it, please. You know, like there's this kind of like, I'm going to put it at the altar of science. Well, I don't fully live in that either. So I left in 2018 and then I really had sort of a very prolonged healing kind of come through that was needed. I didn't realize that 20 years of working in allopathic medicine had just really worn me down. Mm -hmm. My body needed a break. My spirit needed a break. And then I was set to, um, I had two big projects I was going to work on. One was a sort of lifestyle medicine center where it would have been Ayurveda without calling it Ayurveda, Uh movement, yoga, meditation, nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then, um, working with the Chopra Center to do consults for their. Um, oh, okay. And so then COVID came and it was like, oh my gosh, nothing's open. There's no innovation happening. And I really wasn't mentally prepared to jump into the telemedicine queue. I just couldn't do it. And so I, I took that time to develop this course for the physicians that I do now. Mm-hmm. And now things are slowly starting to ease back out. And so I had a um, wonderful, uh, I'm very excited to say that the Chopra piece has started. And so I'm providing consults for their retreat goers that are primarily Ayurvedic in nature, but I'm not doing any one-to-one client work outside of that because I think I'm a work in progress. And so I don't really have a clear idea of what I would offer, what license it would be under, or I figured... I, it can be tricky. I, I get that because even yeah. combining some of the stuff that I do, I'm just like, what, what do I even call that? Someone just asked me the other day. So do you practice Western medicine? Is it shamanic? And, and what does that mean? I'm like, you know, I'm figuring it out as I go. <laughs> so, I think I did a post recently where I was like vitality medicine, where there's, I, I love that. I did see that. Yeah. Where it's really not about addressing any disease anymore, which is much more Ayurvedic framework. It's like, I'm going to give you tools and techniques that help you build your health. And there's evidence-based exercise, movement, nature, stress reduction, social connectivity, sense of purpose, Mm -hmm. how you eat, how you move. And I think if I was to do anything, it would be like, you're welcome to stay in the allopathic system to really investigate the current diagnoses that you have come over here, spend time with me, and we're going to work on what we know will help your body return to health or maintain the health that you have. And that that may, it may still happen. I don't have a ton of, um, I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm almost 50 and there's just a part of me that just, it's a, it's a lot of work. 
to be. It is. You, I would never have guessed 50. You look incredible for being 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 49 this year, but still, you know, there's this quality of just kind of um, respecting boundaries and and life energy and life force and just understanding that what I could do in my 20s isn't as easy now in my late 40s and um, starting a practice. I think what I, and I'm just even brainstorming now, I think what I may ultimately end up doing is um, supporting other practices coming in to run programs with them or doing retreats or things where people can have a more immersive experience of transformation that's a big part of my um, journey with Ayurveda is really understanding that transformation often needs a container and that even the 90 minutes or 60 minutes that I might spend in a functional integrative consult. And I did do the integrative medicine fellowship and triple board certified. I mean, there's no end in, in my education. There's no holes in it, but, you know, to really sit with people in those 60 or 90 minute visits is often not quite enough for that transformation to really ignite. Yeah. And, um, I'm sure you've seen that too, that group work and half day workshops and things that give people more access to this energy of transformation is really valuable. Yeah, no, transfer, transformative work is, it's, it's a lot of work, right? For your body, for your mind, but even in community, I was just speaking to my friend about this. Integration is so important. And so it doesn't really happen in those 90 minutes, let alone like the 20 that were given in primary care, right? So I, I guess my question to you uh, is really, what do you, what do you see medicine as being like in the future? Do you see it being kind of based on Ayurvedic, more mind, body, soul, or kind of just the Western way that we're at right now, because I definitely feel that needs to change. And I truly believe COVID was the start of that, right? People are starting to see that we need more community. We need more mind, body, spirit type of medicine. And it's really not woo-woo. So I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I like to call it the deep science, not the woo-woo, right? These are things that humanity has been using for millennia. There's nothing woo-woo about it. And we've been conditioned away from relating to something beyond the physical within ourselves. And I think I'm just sort of at a juxtaposition where I'm tired of trying to say that nicely. (laughs) For a long time, I was like, I'm going to try to find a really nice, sweet, soft way to tell you this. It's too confrontational. And, you know, recently I had a conversation with someone who was bumping up against someone who had very fanatical belief system. And, you know, and of course, our political landscape and our geosocial landscape don't help with that. Mm-hmm. And this this individual who sort of probably shares my, which you all could probably imagine, I'm more liberal leaning, but there was this sense of like, gosh, you know, we're hitting each other in this wall. And why is it they can't see that the change is needing? And I said, well, you know, in order for that person to change, they likely have to dismantle everything they know to be true. Mm -hmm. And that dismantling is a bumpy ride at best and terrifying Mm -hmm. generally. And a lot of really deep healers and people who do that healing work have this sort of veracity or, or ferocity, you know, this 
quality of being able to be like, I'm going to dive in and do that work for that level of transformation. But the general person to sort of, you know, come into a relationship with that kind of depth of work. And so when it comes to allopathic medicine, I think that, I think we're going to run out of money, first of all. And I think we're going to have a preponderance of technology that we are going to have to integrate. So data-driven AI tech is actually just right on the horizon in terms of continuous hormonal monitoring. I would be in heaven if I could get that kind of data for people like, Mm -hmm. you know, heart rate variability, stress levels, continuous monitoring is just the beginning. Like if you remember, I, I don't want to date anyone here, but in 2008, when I got my first iPhone, (laughs) you know, I, as a resident, I had a Palm pilot, but that's neither here nor there. But when the, when that iPhone came out, we really had no idea what was coming. We had no relationship to how massively our lives would change. And these, um, I think these continuous glucose monitors are just the very tip of, they're like the Palm Pilot. Like yeah, no, I'm so interested in those. I was in a clubhouse chat recently and I'm actually going to have two of the guys from a company out in Europe on the podcast soon. So oh, nice. I'm oh, I can't so wait to check that out. Yeah, I'm so interested in, in very interested in the continuous glucose monitor for yeah. sure. So to me, it feels like it's the rudiment, it's like very rudimentary. It's just, mm-hmm. and of course it's sophisticated, but it's just the very, very beginning of understanding. And so I think that that's going to be overwhelming for the system because the patient patients and people are going to become highly empowered by the data they're collecting. Mm-hmm. It's going to give them it's probably going to give them the ability to test blood sugar, electrolytes, cholesterol, blood pressure in a very real-time format. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's going to help tremendously with early detection and disease monitoring. And it will drive people to seek out solutions much earlier in the disease process, which functional medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, holistic, integrative, they're all well-poised to help people create lifestyle plans. The question that remains to me is what's going to happen with the, we have advanced disease present model. Mm-hmm. Is it is it bleak? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I feel as though the, it's like a tumbling frictionless movement in the allopathic system. As much as physicians and clinicians are screaming, we need change. Burnout is unyielding. There's a lot of people taking the cheese between the patient and the doctor mm-hmm. and little bites. Like to me, there are little, all these little bites that are taking out of that healthcare dollar because really in many ways, it's, it's about time mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's about being able to have enough time and the demand of people just having needs. And so I think that the millennials and the younger generation are just more sensible they're going to want this. They're going to bring innovation where things have been stuck and mired. And I was really the beginning of women being half full in medical schools. Before that, it was preponderance of males. And when I was in my training, is my closing thought on this. When I was in my training, I only really, at Mayo Clinic, I only had really male, one female attending. The majority of them were male. And I feel like women have classically been healers. We carry a divine connection to healing energy naturally. It doesn't have to be gender specific. There is a feminine quality to holding space, to maintaining um, 
an energy and a flow to come into for healing and awareness and intuition so that someone can actually make adjustments to their life that support their healing, whether it's taking medicine, having appropriate allopathic intervention, doing botanicals or pranayama or, or moving. They may even just be in a toxic home, in a toxic city, in a toxic relationship. And by leaving all of that behind, and classically, the male intelligence doesn't look at that. It says, mm, point A to point B, let's get you, you know, intervention ABC. So I think women are going to bring a wonderful dimension, especially as they move higher and higher into leadership and into innovation. I, I completely agree. And I think according to feng shui, they say 2024 is where the, the cycle starts for female empowerment. And we're most likely to see a female president then. So all the energy is predicting we're moving in that direction. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And thank you so, so much for your time today and chatting with me on my podcast. I'm super grateful. I love ending my podcast with asking just some fun questions to, to my guest if you're up for it. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So what is one thing you feel you've learned about yourself through COVID? I have learned that I am a pretty serious person and that I need to lighten up. Incredible. I've kind of learned that too. I just need to add more fun and play into my life. So and creativity. (laughs) Yes, totally agree. Okay, cool. And so how do you deal with fear? Ooh, fear. Um, I think one of the most important tools, and I learned this through meditation techniques with Dr. Ladd, is to really um, not deny fear when it's present. Mm-hmm. And to understand that fear often comes, for me, often comes when I am imagining things. I'm imagining a future in a certain state. And Dr. Ladd taught us that through meditation and, and awareness of the breath, we can sit in between what's sort of written or predestined or karmic and an awareness of how to navigate through that. And I think when we have that intuition about something coming or will this person say this or will that thing happen, which to me is one of the primary drivers of fear. If I can slow the breath, experience the emotion and just try to sit in sort of uh, awareness Oftentimes the fear will be like, oh, there's no home here anymore. And, you know, we'll sort of start to, to dissipate. It'll come back, but you know, it's, I always say in discipline, there's freedom, which is sort of an oxymoron, but in with disciplined sort of spiritual practice for me, um, more challenging emotional states, fear, depression, anxiety, anger, irritability um, become more easy, not easy, but they become have an awareness of how to navigate through them. Sometimes you'll have a huge fear and it's like, (laughs) that is knocking me flat. And (laughs) so there's no stage where I've ever been at in my own development where suddenly emotions were no longer there. It's just as I got older, I feel a little bit better equipped to navigate. Mm -hmm. When 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 I was young, they just felt huge and intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so I would kind of be like, ooh, then put you here. (laughs) And so... And, and then, I think that's something that we would teach kids at a younger age, right? Yeah. Just be, be, sit with it, invite it in. Because when you do that and you breathe through it, kind of like what you said, it does, it helps shift it, not make it go away, but 
I don't think it's ever meant to go away. It's meant there. It's meant to teach you something. Right. And so mm-hmm. I love that. I, that's also one thing I hope will be incorporated into the future. <laughs> um, and my last question for you is what are you grateful for? I'm really grateful for my creativity. Honest to goodness. Like I, I have a, I have been blessed with a well of creativity. Mm-hmm. And for me, primarily it comes across through photography and design, but there's lots of places that I apply creativity. And I think it really helps my, I don't know if the right word is brand, but the message I feel like I'm here to share that I have this sort of very feminine creative lens around it, I think really does help. So I'm really grateful that uh, wherever those gifts come from, that that one is present because I think it definitely makes my life more enjoyable. Yeah, you can see that in your, you know, your Instagram and your work everywhere. All your food looks so beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. I'm just like, I want to make that right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly what I'm aiming for. So thank you for that. It's a beautiful reflection. (laughs) Of course. And where can people find you if they want to connect with you for for consults or just, you know, just to connect with you for anything, really? Well, I do love to collaborate. I'm always excited to um, especially learn about people that are integrating mind, body, spirit, medicine. So people can find me on most social media platforms, um, Siri Chan Khalsa or Dr. Siri Chand. And I do have a blog, um, drsirichand.com. And, and that has all the links to my social on it as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much again for being yes, on. My thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm sure we're going to connect and stay connected for for a while now. Yes, it's so great. I'm so glad you reached out. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Well-Balanced 360 Podcast. I'm truly grateful for all of you and excited to have you join me on this health and wellness journey. Please be sure to stay connected with me over at drshivaniamin.com or any of my social media platforms. If you found this episode to be helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you would also hit that subscribe button and make sure to tell all your friends so you don't miss any future episodes. I'll catch you next week.